It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is Reasons to be Cheerful with Ed Miliband and Jeff Lloyd. Hello you. Howdy, partner. Howdy. Well, in the Reasons to be Cheerful soap opera, we had a cliffhanger last week. You were off to eat a vegan burger. Yes. So how did it go? Beyond Meat. It was quite nice, actually. That was a high voice, quite nice, wasn't it? <laughs> ah. If we ever see you interviewed on TV and your voice goes high, yeah. is that a, a It's a Larry David like, thing, isn't it? Of course it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was nice. <laughs> did it again. <laughs> it was nice. Okay. Uh, it was like a burger, but it was, you know, it was a Beyond Meat burger. Right. Is it one of these where you bite into it and it bleeds beetroot? Because that's what that's Not quite bleeds, but it did have the sort of consistency of, uh, you know, sort of animal gristle. <laughs> <laughs> that's just just what we've been looking just for. Been looking that's the for. thing that's been putting exactly. people off going vegetarian exactly. vegan. If only it was a bit more gristly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, are you fussy about food at all? Uh, Anything you won't eat? Snails. Right. Frog's legs. I'm guessing it doesn't come up that often. No, sort of. Sort of I'm not. I'm not a massive one for the crustaceans. See, then this is why you won't go on. I'm a celebrity, isn't it? It's the eating insects. Oh yeah, that's definitely no. I definitely. What about you? What have you been up to? You know, this and that. I went to the. I went to the opera. A night at the opera. Yeah, look at me. I mean, I, I've never been to an yeah. opera in my life, nor would a, a countenance going to the opera. But um, a, a friend of mine is working at the English National Opera. He said, do you want to come along? So I went to see La Boheme the He's other night. He's running the English National Opera. He is, but, you know. Working at. <laughs> he is. Selling programmes. <laughs> I'm, uh, to, I'm trying to say, like, I don't know people in high places. Do you know people in high places? I mean, and they're you, all going to be... And you. They're all going to be part... Well, you know people have high places and people like me. Yeah, Is that what you yeah, mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, they're all going to be part of the Jeffocracy. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, he's going to be Minister for Opera, my friend Stuart. Yeah, exactly. It's jobs for the boys. So was it good? Yeah, I, re- I really enjoyed it. Labo Yeah, Did it last 17 hours or something? No, this is what, I mean, I was braced for it. We yeah. told the babysitter. Braced position. Yeah, we told the babysitter, expect us when you see us. But what was great is it, it was sort of two hours with an <gasps> interval in between. 
Thank you. Yeah, we just <laughs> we just tried to high five each other and missed, which is our. Little I mean, that thing. is definitely, honestly, I'm I'm quite a sort of you know time fascist when it comes to the old arts. Mm, yeah, I don't, I don't, I joke with my friend Jersey Rourke about this. Um, who used to run Don Mawes and has got a very exciting film coming out about Mary Queen of Scots. Um, but I, I, you know, she she thinks I'm just slightly a philistine, which I probably am. No, things are too long. Films, especially I know, like I know. films, only you get really fidgety. Need to be, yeah, I mean, I, I, I run out of Maltesers. Referring w- back yeah, to last yeah. week, weak bladder. Referring back to weak something about a year bladder. ago. Yeah. So I, I think most things don't need to be longer than an hour and a half. It's yeah. plenty, isn't it? I mean, it's quite an important lesson for our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's talk about what we're talking about this week, then. We're talking about dads. I'm one? Yep, I'm one, too. We're talking about dads, and in particular, father's leave, um, the question of how much leave uh, time off uh, dads get in Britain when their children are born. It's a statutory two weeks at the moment, which is pretty hopeless. Other countries do a lot better. We're going to be talking about how that changes not just experience of fathers, children, mothers, gendered workplace. You're going to love it because it's reasons to be Swedish. We're going to be talking to somebody from Sweden who's written a report about how Sweden need to go even further wow. in, in on dad's leave. And then we're going to be talking about people who've experienced better dad's leave in the UK. So it's re- I think it's a really important subject. And uh, we've got a comedian on the podcast who is known to Ed of old. Yes, she was at university with me. Sindhu V. Who was nominated for Best Newcomer at the Edinburgh Festival this year, and she's coming along to give us some ideas, which yeah. give be reasons to be cheerful. Definitely looking forward to that. What's your reason to be cheerful? Went to a rave. Is that the opera? No, no, I went to a rave. You know, like a rave in a smelly nightclub. Wow. Yeah, with bouncers and all that. Amazing. What was it like? It was a baby rave. It was a rave for babies. I mean, I wouldn't go... Yeah, well, I mean, I'd rather a baby rave than an actual rave. But I I mean... I'm wincing. Well, I had a good time. Did you? Well, I could have done without the music, to be perfectly honest. Were the babies raving? They were, they were raving. There were bubbles. There was they were spraying out foam like they're doing those nightclubs in Ibiza, but making it snow for the babies. They liked liked all that. There was lots of. Glitter. I never went to the nightclubs in Ibiza. Uh, <laughs> uh, how you surprised how, me. how long did it last? Um, for me, too long. I think it was sort of two and a half hours. Oh my god! I refer you to my earlier uh, two and a half hours. About... You must have had a headache after that. I, I did find myself going and just sitting in the toilet for a while, just to decompress and kill some time before I had to go back out into the loud rave. What was your child doing at that point? He, he was he was quite happy on his own. He was with my wife. Oh, right, yeah. right. <laughs> just release him into the rave. Right. Yeah. So that, that's my reason wow. to be cheerful. The baby rave. Well, mine is sort of arts related. It's a bit of a stretch, but. I think I've said to you before that we've got this big push push to make uh, 2020 Year of Culture in Doncaster where I'm an MP. And for the last 13 years as an MP, um, I, I don't have a cinema in my constituency. So there's obviously cinemas in Doncaster, a multiplex, and there's going to be another one. But we don't have a, like, a permanent full-size cinema in my part of Doncaster, in my constituency. We have like pop-up cinemas and so much obviously important. There's this sort of old building in one part of my constituency which – used to be a cinema. I've done some research now. It's closed in 1964. But actually, the facade is still there, and the sort of, apparently, the seats inside are still there. Wow. Um, or at least parts of it are. And it's now, no. it's like, it's for rent. So are you uh, suggesting that you, in addition to your uh, role as MP, become the local cinema owner? I'm not quite suggesting oh, that. Oh, this is good. You could have your own, make your own sandwich. Uh, concession in the in the, in the foyer. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, 
I could work as an usher, dress up with a little hat and get a torch. Would you be willing to do that? that? Shushing people. I'm very good at shushing people. Selling them all teasers. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but uh, I've got this sort of, it's a kind of little dream I've got, which is to turn this old cinema, which then became a supermarket, a fireplace shop, and then like, another shop into back into being a cinema. Let's do it. The Milliplex. And if there's anybody out there who wants to help support me do this, the Milliplex. That's yes, very good. Thank you. You can, yeah, yeah, you can have that. Sydney Millie. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, if there's anyone who wants to help, you know, in a sort of Sam Conniff reasons to be pirate way, let me know. Reasons to be cheerful with Ed Miliband and Jeff Lloyd. We're delighted now to be joined by Lars Orenius, who is the General Secretary of a Swedish aid organisation and the author of a recent uh, government report on shared parental leave. Shena Lars, how are you? I'm more bra. Thank you. There we go. What is that? Sorry, what is that? Hello, how are you? I mean, that's, oh, that's, that's about the extent of my Swedish. <laughs> it was impressive. Ed asked me if I could do the whole interview in his Swedish, and I said, so, No, honestly, I'm impressed. Probably You're not. a linguist. Yeah. Um, so, Lars, can we start by asking you? You've done this report on the, the Swedish system. Can you tell us what the system is as it stands uh, and how long it's been like that? Yes, uh, it's been changing for years, but uh, uh, right now, the system today provides that. Uh, the parental insurance is paid out for 480 days uh, for one child. And today the system provides that three months are reserved for each uh, parent. Uh, this means that you cannot transfer uh, the, these days to the other parents. So it's, a, so it's a use it or lose it system? Exactly, for those three months, yeah. Can we talk about what the system looks like more broadly? Just give us an overview of it. Uh, well, in in uh, historical perspective, uh, the, the parent insurance has... Uh, contributed to, to a high labor market participation for women uh, and the possibilities of combining work and family life. It's extensive for both men and women. Uh, it's generous and it's uh, in some way flexible. Um, but at the same time, still, it's not in, in, in practice. It's not uh, gender equality, uh, even if it goes in the right direction. Um, but it's going slowly. And still, the situation is that the, the mothers takes... Uh, uh, 75% of the parental leave and, and the father's um, 25%. How has that grown? What was the initial take-up and how has it grown over the decades since this was introduced? This first legislation was in the 70s and at that time uh, the fathers take uh, 1%, I think, of the parental leave. So, of course, it's uh, going in the right direction, but uh, it's going slowly. So it has had an effect, basically, this three-month use-it-or-lose-it system. Absolutely. Uh, that uh, has been the, the thing that uh, affected this, uh, has the, the biggest impact, uh, those uh, different uh, decisions of the legislation. In, uh, the first one was in 1995, uh, the first month. The second month was in 2002. And now the third month was in, um, in January 2017. But it, if you look at the first uh, uh, and the second month there, um, there has been big changes uh, after that. And, and that's what uh, really you can see when you look into this, that change uh, the, the behaviour. And we, we want to come on to the criticisms in your report in just a couple of minutes. Before that, can you talk to us about the positive difference it's made to mothers and fathers and uh, gender equality? For women, it is very clear that it changed. I mean, the long-term effect, uh, the longer absence has negative effects in terms of worsening wage developments, uh, which also leads to poorer pensions. And it's also clear that there's a connection between 
between a long parental leave and, and a major responsibility for homework, uh, what you see, what you call uh, uh, double work for the woman, and that's continue after you've been home with, with the kids. And that's, I mean, that's the thing you want to change. Uh, so Lars, in, in your report, you you obviously think the system has benefits, but what are the problems in the current system? Maybe you can explain that for our listeners. Still, uh, the problem is uh, the uneven use of, of, of uh, the parental leave and, and that's... Uh, uh, and that what it's lead to is those negative effects uh, I mentioned in terms of, of the wage uh, developments for women and also the poorer pensions in, in, in the future. And also the connection between a long parental leave and the major responsibility for, for homework. So still there is a, a big problem, even if it goes in the right direction. And what did you propose in your report? My investigation suggested a whole new model for the, the use of the parental insurance or parental leave, uh, a kind of one-third model that each parent has one-third and uh, one-third that can be used uh, to give to the partner or to other persons also. For example, the mother or grandparents can use it. My proposal also included a reservation of five months instead of three months uh, I also suggested new age uh, limits, uh, a three-year limits, which means uh, stronger concentration for the child's uh, in the child's younger age, uh, which uh, promotes a more equal distribution of the parental leave. So, just to be clear about this, this would mean five months for the man, five months for the woman, and then five months to be taken by either a grandparent or one of the parents. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and I believe in the proposal, and I think it's a balance. We have a Swedish word, maybe you know that, it's the Swedish word lagom, and it's a little bit difficult to translate, but that means that there's a balance, and I think there's a balance in this proposal. It puts pressure on the dads to spend more days with the child. It's giving the children a better access to both parents, and still there's a flexibility above all. It can also change the long-term effects that uh, this uneven use of the parental leaves creates. We also considered a completely individualized insurance uh, in that meaning that uh, divided to 50-50, not at all have the possibility to hand over days to, to the partner. But we found uh, that it was uh, difficult, because it, difficult because there is a need for parents uh, with that flexibility. Uh, and family situation looks uh, different. Uh, and uh, we also weighed in the situation for entrepreneurs or uh, companies who just started the difficulties for them maybe to have a 50-50 insurance or individualizing. Lars, we have a thing on the podcast where uh, I I am appointed supreme ruler of Great Britain. (laughs) Don't don't worry, Lars, it's unlikely to happen. I mean, I know that our politics is strange at the moment, but it's unlikely (laughs) to happen. Don't rule it out. But if if I was to to make you uh, Minister for Families, perhaps, what is the first thing you would do in the UK on on day one? Given that we only have two weeks uh, paternity leave at the moment. All right. Uh, Well, my suggestion is to start uh, by increasing the awareness about the long-term effects for women and also uh, try to, to understand all the benefits that an equal use of the parental leave will lead to. And, and, and one thing that this was very clear in my uh, the directive from, from the government is that was the focus on the children's rights. And I think that is especially important to look at the ch- child situation and the child's need for close contact with both parents. Uh, so that is an important thing I, I should point or focus the, about. 
Uh, Lars, uh, uh, tack så mycket. Tack så mycket. Thank you very much for inviting me. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> to talk about the situation in the UK, I'm delighted that we're joined by Sam Smellers, who's Chief Executive of the Fawcett Society. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Uh, just tell us, to sort of, so we get our heads around this, where does the UK currently stand in terms of what provision is available to dads? In terms of what's given to dads as fathers, it's still very basic. So it's two weeks paid paternity leave. Right. Uh, and the statutory rate is low. So you're talking about 139, 140 quid a week. It's not very uh, significant really to support dads to take leave. So really what dads often do is take annual leave rather than taking the paternity leave because then they can obviously get it at their basic rate. So like paid holiday basically. Yeah, paid holiday. Yeah, yeah. But there's a wrinkle, isn't there? Because in 2015, the government introduced the option to share some of the leave. Is that right? Yeah. So what what the government did, and it was a step forward, so let's give them credit for that. It, they uh, said to mums, well, instead of you having all the leave to yourself, your maternity leave, you can choose to share some of it with your partner if you want to. But it's still very much her leave that she can choose to share with him. It's not his entitlement. It's up to three months, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 still an inadequate solution to the to the bigger problem because ultimately you're not changing any of the fundamentals of the picture. It's still she's the presumed carer, not him. And she may choose to share some of the leave with him. And what we want is to move to a system which is much more about presumption of equal responsibility for parenting. And even with that policy, not not so many people are, are using it. Is that right? That's right, because well, again, because it's like 2% you're not, take, is it? Dramatic? Well, it, I think the figures are a little bit unreliable, to oh, be right, honest, okay. but it is low. And I think what we've, we're seeing is, is a, a leave system that sends this very strong message that mums have a generous period of time off and they can choose to share with their partner, but it's still her job primarily. So we haven't sent a different cultural norm message and that's that's one problem with it. And then the second problem is it's just paid a too low a rate for dads to take it. So if you can't afford to take three months at you know the statutory minimum and there isn't an enhanced offer from your employer and most employers won't offer an enhanced paternity pay equivalent to the maternity rate that they might offer then you're at a disadvantage and most families when you're making a household decision about what you can afford to sacrifice in terms of earning will sacrifice the lower the lower income so the difference with mums is that although the statutory rate i think for the first six weeks you get 90 percent of your salary yes and it's uncapped but 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 beyond that, you're saying that employers are more likely to offer an enhanced offer to yeah. mums than they are to, to dads. Basically. Yeah, because again, that's evolved over time. And, you know, a good employer, many, many employers obviously want to be good employers and offer for decent rates to their mums going off on maternity leave, will offer a, a, an enhanced rate. So you might get 90%, then you might get that 90% extended, or you might get a half, half rate for another few months. But or, not for dads. In not general. for dads in general. I mean, not, not, that's not universal. Sure. Some, some employers have made an equivalent sure. offer to dads but it hasn't been the common uh, practice. So that's the situation. What needs to be done in the view of you and the Fawcett Society? Well, we we would like to get the fundamentals right. So that means a presumption of equal responsibility for parenting, which means a dedicated period for her, a dedicated period for him, paid at a much more affordable rate. So in that rate has to be determined, but it has to be a rate that will encourage us to take the leave. And then a period that they can share. And give families choice and control over their lives. It's absolutely up to them what they do with it. But we have to enable that equal parenting. At the moment, the system effectively tells parents you're not on the same level, you're not on the same footing. It's really her job, but, you know, she might let you in. And, yeah, that's that's not good enough. And how many months are you 
wanting it to be for the for the dads well what we've said is we wouldn't take maternity leave away from mums we wouldn't try and reduce what mum's currently entitled to which is nine months yeah which is nine months paid so you know because i think if you if you started to impose yes. effectively a penalty on, on women that would be disadvantageous both politically and practically um but i would think a three months paid period of leave for dads paid at a significant rate would be very welcome. You could have the first six weeks paid at 90%, same as the mums, possibly with a cap for the dads, because there is also this question about how high you go. Uh, and then the next few weeks paid at, a, you know, closer to sort of, you know, 70%, 50%, something like that. So you've got to get to a rate where dads can afford to take it. Otherwise, you won't change anything. And in a way, that would get us to where Sweden is sort of now, more or less, well, not completely, because it's probably still less generous. But and so that would be your sort of, if you like, the first step. And then you'd like somehow over time to get to more like equality. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it, you can't engineer it to the point of uh, removing choice from, from, from families. So I think you have to accept that p- people make their own decisions and, it, you know, it will be a rational choice for the family. And that's that's fine. But you've got to remove the constraints. And at the moment, we're operating a very constrained system, um, which doesn't fit with families' lives, doesn't fit with what they want. All the polling tells us they want something very different. Families are making their own choices anyway, but they're doing it in a way that puts stress and, and pressure on families and doesn't give them that choice and control. And that's what we've got to get back into a system. Can we talk about what some of the benefits would be beyond, you know, uh, establishing gender roles more equally in families? So talk about business, and I'm guessing a lot of opposition comes from business. It would be a good thing in the long term for business because half the population wouldn't be uh, progressing at a different level in the workplace. Yeah, I mean, when we've been talking to business about this, we've said, you know, how do we position this issue in a way that's going to appeal to you? You know, because we don't want business voices obviously arguing against us. We want them with us. And they say, well, you know, isn't it just about enabling women to return to the workplace? Isn't it? Because the big loss, if you look at who drains away, it's when women have babies. And actually, it's later in life when they become carers for older relatives or partners or whatever. So there are there are points in women's lives where they're particularly at risk of dropping out of the labour market and have trouble getting back in. Um, and pregnancy and, and maternity is one of them. So enabling them to remain in closer contact with the workplace is key to, av- to averting that problem. And then also pregnancy discrimination, which is quite commonplace, where we've got 54,000 women each year forced out of work because of pregnancy discrimination. That would, we think, become less of an issue over time because actually who do you determine who that the less reliable employees are? Well, if you're all equally unreliable, if you like, then, you know, you're, you're more like, you're less likely to, p- to pick on those women. So I think it's about sharing that risk around and making sure that employers understand that getting women into the workplace is good for them and good for their business. And, and some of them already get it and already do. Just on terms, in terms of cost, it obviously depends the rate of pay you set it at, but can mm. you give us a sense of the ballpark we're talking about on the costs here? Um, I think the Women Equality Select Committee did some work on this when they had their inquiry in Fathers in the Workplace. Um, and I think they put a cost of a, a, a more modest offer, so 90% for dads, but with a cap for six weeks at about sort of 500 million, something right. like that. So for yeah. three months, maybe a billion-ish. Yeah, yeah. But you've got to see that as an investment. I mean, which is relatively, I mean, you know, easy for me to say, but it's relatively small in the context of overall government spending. It is. And I think you have to see it as enabling a return for women in the, in the economy. 
Um, and actually, it's also about, you know, enabling dads to spend time with their children and have better relationships with their children. And actually, that has a value as well in terms of what the longer term benefits of that might be to society and so on. But, you know, it's hard to realise those things in the short term. So there is going to be a short term spend and investment, but there would be a return. And we have to model it in that way and not see it just as an absolute cost in the first year. And are there other ways to encourage take up aside from the financial incentives? Well, use it or lose it. And so it is very much his to, to use or, or lose rather than, uh, you know, a period that's labelled as a, you know, for either parent. I think it's important that there's a period dedicated to, to dads because it, it has to send that strong message because we, we've got, you know, if you talk to dads about flexible working, we haven't talked about that issue uh, yet, but I think that's another example of where the culture can often inhibit the practice. And so, um, you might have a policy that people have got a right to request flexible working and think you're a very enlightened employer in the way you operate that policy. But as a cultural norm is that you don't really leave or actually if someone does leave early, then they're not really as committed, are they? Or job sharing. By- job sharing, yeah. Again, it's very hard for, for dads to sort of take those roles on and still demonstrate that they're committed, that they're right, right for promotion, they can do the big jobs, all of that stuff. When actually the norm is if you want to be in those jobs, then you can't be doing those kind of softer workplace practices of flexibility. So, you know, we've got a bit of work to do before we can kind of normalise normalize that around around fathers. And that's the kind of thing that I think would in- enable leave to, to also be uh, rolled out as a, as a policy. So, you know, you, you need both to kind of speak to each other. Would this be your biggest priority when it comes to changing leave arrangements, fathers? Or are there other things in relation to maternity leave and so on or is this now the biggest priority do you think i think it's i think it's the biggest fundamental shift that would enable both dads to spend more time with their children but more than anything else enable women to achieve you know closer to equality in the workplace because you can't be equal at home you can't be equal at work it's just as basic as that and we haven't really challenged ourselves in terms of those cultural norms about who does the caring and if we don't change that and start from a presumption of equality, we'll always be tinkering around the edges and we won't be moving forwards. We're so far from that norm, you know. I mean, if you talk to dads and their experience of going to the school gate or going to, you know, a baby and parent classes or whatever it is, they'll often They're like say, an unusual... They're unusual, they feel yeah. left out, they don't know how to join in the conversation. You know, it, it's all of those things. Why? Why are we so struggling? We, you know, we, we all live in families where dads play a, a, a significant role or with somebody in our family, you can point to an example... But it's it's still in our society and culture, just not normalised. So I think that's where we've got to get to. And that's hard because it's not something you can say is 50% of this or it's, it feels a bit nebulous. But actually, that's that's the feeling you want to have, isn't it? You know, you, and seeing a, you know, a pregnant chief executive isn't going to be unusual either. Uh, Sam, there's also a particular issue, isn't there, in relation to self-employed pe- people who, you know, increasingly common in our society, people who are not in employment who don't even have an employer, however inadequate it is, to sort of support them. Yeah, and, and that's that's a growing group. Um, and we are... What do they get? Well, at the moment, they don't get anything particularly. Right. So, you know, we've got a real problem with that growing group right. of people who are working but are not getting the you benefits get any of paternity... Working pay and leave if you're in that not, category no basically so you are you were in a, a very weak position and that was your position when you yeah, when well, Jean was born yeah I was uh, freelance so I had to use up I had a certain number of weeks I could take in my contractor's annual leave where I wasn't contracted right. and I had to use that up rather than paternity yeah, and leave. we've got to start catering for those people and those families yeah you know and I think 
again, a more creative approach to our system would address that. But at the moment, we're, we're locked into a very old-fashioned system, which is old-fashioned in a number of ways. And one of them is the presumption about who's entitled to support and and uh, help from the system who isn't so it's about redesign so we do a thing on the podcast called the jeffocracy where i am appointed supreme leader now i maybe hastily have already appointed lars minister for children but if i was to appoint you co-minister for children i mean what what change needs to happen what would you do so much of what we do in this country is start in the wrong place so i would want us to start in a very different place about presumption of equality for who does the caring and if we were to get that right then we would get the rest of it right but because we don't start in that different place we don't get the rest right okay sam smothers thanks so much for joining us okay thank you and to talk about their experience we're joined by sam white and will mcdonald who are co-directors of public policy at aviva and will you are also chair of the fatherhood institute and that's yeah. not the one where they dress as spider-man and, and climb up the big, <laughs> no, big buildings much as i'd love to get more <laughs> dressed up in life it's not. It's not that lot. Uh, so I'm sure we'll we'll talk about father. And there we should say they are the most senior, yes, um, male job share in the country. Unless unless you can prove otherwise. Unless you can prove so otherwise. Can t- talk to us about. I what think you- we're in the presence of history here. Yeah, I think we are. So to explain to us what what your situation is then, the two of you. So um, we both work three days a week um, and we overlap on a Wednesday. Uh, we do it uh, as a job share as, as, as opposed to two part-time jobs. So we're collectively responsible for everything. We share the blame, we share the, we share the praise. Um, and we've been doing that for 18 months now. Uh, we kicked it off by, um, I'd been away for about six months doing parental leave with my second daughter and Will had been doing this doing my job while I was away. Uh, he got in touch saying, hey, I'm thinking of going part-time or job share uh, with one of the other team members uh, when when you come back. And I said, let me think about that. It sounds interesting. And phoned back a couple of days later and said, well, why don't we change this job into a job share? So uh, we pitched it as a trial initially for six months because we wanted to prove that we could deliver at least a good a service together as either of us were doing alone, give everyone kind of confidence because they'd never tried anything at sort of a director level before. And at the end of the six months, you know, everyone seemed happy. You mentioned the six-month parental leave. Is that standard at Aviva? Yeah. So um, it's it's been a big change uh, over the last few years to try and become a, a, a more flexible, family-friendly employer and trying to remove uh, obstacles to people's progression. And one of the things Aviva did about a year ago was say – okay, the, the government scheme on shared parental leave, that's all well and good, but actually I think we can do one better and say we'll offer a very simple system where six months, full pay, male, female, gay, straight, uh, you know, adopted, natural birth, part-time, full-time, regardless, you qualify for six months uh, parental leave. And, we've and that's just throughout the entire company. Yeah, it's not just the UK as well. It's through quite a few of the international markets too. And Sam, tell us, because your, your first child... Um, Betsy, who I know, um, you had uh, a, like a couple of weeks off the standard. And then with your second child, Sylvie, you've had six months off. What difference has that made to you? Yeah, I didn't even manage the full two weeks. Oh, right, I think about see. it with, with the first one. I, I got see. a call midway through saying, uh, saying by my CEO saying, I need you to do a leak plan for me. And I said, I'm on right. parental leave. And he said, yeah, sure, we'll make it up later. Um, but <laughs> the second time around, I took six months. So I had the yeah. exact opposite experience. But what was great was um, I kind of got a, a kind of a bog off deal. I got kind of two for one because, you know, the six months I wasn't working looking after Sylvie, yeah. I had my two-year-old Betsy as yeah. well. So it was an amazing opportunity to bond with her at that age. Because I think it's really important that people sort of understand this is not some theoretical Thing. I mean, how? What difference has this made to you as a dad? It's it's hard to say the counterfactual yes. of what it might have been otherwise. Yeah. But what I've gained from it is just feeling very bonded with my kids. Yeah. 
I got to do a lot more of that stuff that many dads don't have the opportunity to do, you know, for good or for ill, scraping porridge off the yeah. floor, but also great stuff like parks and feeding ducks yeah. and, you know, toddler groups. And I don't think I'd ever found the time to memorise every lyric in Frozen if I hadn't had that, <laughs> that, that time to myself. And it's unusual. It's six months. Yeah. Yeah, it is. When I did it, it was before Aviva rolled out this kind of super generous six-month full pay. It was still pretty generous, but um, it was unusual at the time. Now it's becoming much more common practice at Aviva. And uh, since it was introduced a year ago, 700 people in the UK have taken uh, parental leave under the scheme. And it's been 300 men and 400 women. So not quite 50-50, but, you know, edging to that sort of place. And it's becoming a more cultural norm within the organisation, in part because I think people are going out of their way to talk about it and say, this is not a career-limiting thing. This is something that we know people value their family life and we want you to do. And we'll talk about it from your point of view. You haven't had the dad's leave because you had your kids before this came in. Is that right? Yes, yeah, and it was, it was obviously, it's very compelling, but not enough to have a fourth child. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but talk about the, the experience of the job share. So the job share... Um, How what difference does it make to you as a dad? I mean, as well as you know, yeah, your I job... Yeah, I mean, at- it, it is incredible the difference it makes but and i guess it's in in a thousand different ways every day kind of thing so i kind of i guess we we i share the care of our kids with my wife who also works three days a week um and when we when we i guess when we go back to getting married and thinking about having children we thought we'd try and stay equal and it turns out after a few kids um you know life ends up very unequal i was working five days a week and was earning a lot more and she was you know not working that much and not earning that much and and and, it, and i guess we thought unless you sort of do something pretty radical about it you're going to get this is why we have a massive gender pay gap you know in part this is why society is structured like it is and we didn't want to end up like that um so the job share has made a huge difference it it means you know i know the other parents at school um as well as my wife does you know i'm as, as responsible for um making uh, a costume that the kids had to take in last thursday so they're you know you're cutting up cereal packets um on wednesday night at midnight sort of thing um and i and i think in terms of me and the kids it's exactly like sam says um I spent a lot of time with our third child, our youngest, um, and um, it's just incredible how how much you kind of understand them and how much and it, and how does it show up? I guess there was you know previously you know if you ask the question who who do you want to get you out of the bath, it would be mummy, mummy, yeah. mummy, mummy, and and that just has changed. Life is just a bit more equal. I think the great thing is that means weekends are more equal because I am you know as good at cooking a children's meal and changing nappies and I know where the nappies are and the wipes are and and I think unless you start off in the early years really um trying to trying to get equality in practice unless you actually do it I I genuinely don't think that women are intrinsically better at caring for small children I think they they just do it a lot more uh and we men or those who want to you know fight really hard to make it happen how has it been at work it's obviously an unusual arrangement yeah for men Yeah, yeah, and I think we uh, we we get the argument, you know, quite often, which is which is fun to play with. You know, real men don't job share. That's Piers Morgan said yeah, that presumably. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh. I mean, the reactions to start with, um, oh, that sounds good, and then immediately, um, oh, it wouldn't work in my job. So I think what we do, and we've actually built this into one of our kind of objectives as a as a job share at work, is one of our jobs is to advocate more for more job shares, which is partly going around and pointing out that we do, you know, a senior job, we have managed multiple budget lines, we've got loads of direct reports, you know, we run big projects globally, 
you know, around lots of markets. We've got loads of external stakeholders. This is all very manageable as a job share. And in the two days that you're both not at work, are you off or are you not off? Yeah, I mean... I, when you say off, we're looking after small children. Sorry, so I know. That's, that's, are you talking about like not replying to emails? Uh, yeah, not, I yeah. mean, not like yeah. still there. So w- when we when we got started on the job share, we went and spoke to a bunch of other job sharers because we thought, look, we've got to nail this trial yeah. and show that we can we can do this right. Yeah. And we'd learn from best practice and avoid pitfalls. And one of the things people who made a success of it said was you need a kind of shared vision. And some of them had really quite legalistic documents between them. Others just had a sort of set of principles and we evolved a set of principles. And one of them, which has been absolutely instrumental has been brilliant handovers and when in charge, take charge and brilliant handovers mean the other person can hit the ground running, but it also means the other person's not going to need to phone you while you're not there. Yes. Well, that's what I was wondering. You've, you've, you've basically, if, if, and, and it, it has everything from the urgent stuff to do the minute you walk in, yes. actions you should deal with, but also that kind of, just for information, gossip we heard in the corridor. You know, I was speaking to a colleague and he told me this might happen. Just a little bit of pieces that enable both of us to be almost entirely interoperable. Uh, tell one of us, to, you've told both of us. What's the reaction been like in the corporate world? I mean, do you talk to people from other companies? Do you, do you see this uh, developing elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, it, it, mostly very positive. Um, uh, I think we've... A bit like um, you're a rare species. Yeah, a bit, you know, a bit treated a little bit with yeah. amusement. Our boss calls us uh, her exotic pets. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there is there's the odd, you know, trade body where you had to, you know, point out that we were two people doing one job and either one of us could be on this committee or not. There's a, you know, a bit of hierarchy and stuff, but that is all, you know, very you deal with that and you move on. I mean, we are quite rare. It, it, what would be what would be really interesting is more people doing this, more people trying it, and then we'll see what the lessons are. And, and what is the Fatherhood Institute, and how does this factor into that? So I'm chair of trustees of this. This is a charity. It's called the Fatherhood Institute. It basically tries to promote or tries to help dads get involved with their kids. Um, so there's lots and lots of research out there about um, the more dads are involved, the better it is for uh, the mothers. For the for the dads, you know, they have better mental health. They drink less, they smoke less. There's all kinds of, and there's lots of good reasons why um, you want dads involved with their kids. It's you know, there's lots of peer reviewed studies on um, how children grow up happier, feeling more secure, and so on. Um, and a lot of this goes with with common sense, but it it tends to be not quite what happens. So if you look around the early years and maternity services and so on, you know, a lot of you know, when you talk to dads, a lot of them will recognise the scenario that you go to your first antenatal, you know, appointment and they, the midwife doesn't really talk to the dad. You know, there's no seat for you. You know, you're just, you're literally a spare part. Um, whereas actually what we know, if you want to tackle some of the tough stuff in pregnancy, say you want to try to help the, the mother to be give up smoking, the biggest factor is whether the, the dad to be will give up smoking. That will influence the mother. So you've got to involve yeah. both. Um, and I think we're, what you see is we're really, you know, we're trying to go with the grain of of what's happening. If you ask millennials, you know, how they want to work, how much they want to be involved with their kids, they've got a completely different attitude, even from, you know, people in me and Sam's generation, let alone our dads. Jeff will understand that because Jeff is a borderline millennial. millennial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we all are, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, or zennial, actually, yeah, is what yeah. we call it. I mean, that's very much a baby boomer. Yeah. Um, now... We've got this thing on the podcast called the Jeffocracy, which is a sort of nightmarish vision of, uh, <laughs> of what what could be. Um, but but leave that to one side. In order to make it less nightmarish, if if Jeff, as a supreme ruler, made you the joint ministers, a job share uh, for fatherhood, we, we do need a joint 
uh, a job share MP or minister fairly soon. We do. Well, I was wondering about that actually. Yeah. So it has been tested, and the court, uh, I think it was the green, a green MP, to try to job share, uh, and I think the court said it wasn't legally possible. So this is a challenge that someone needs to take on. Um, I've got to say, actually, to Will's point, since we started job sharing and meeting other job sharers, we've we've come around to the view that almost any job could be done like that, MP, including an MP, including an MP. Absolutely, given the given the hours you work, it might be a, a blessed relief to. Yeah. Uh, so you think Jeff and I should start on a joint <laughs> ticket at the next election? I'm not. I don't do. One not sure about that. I'm, not, I'm not sure about that, Sunshine. Uh, um, yeah, it, you it, don't have to like each other, but you do have to trust each other. Yeah. So that's your test yeah, when but, you're thinking I mean, about I, it. Do you think it's genuinely practical? I mean, sorry to sound. I'm not meaning to be the skeptic here, but what? So if it was a voting on a Thursday, I mean, what? How do you? For, for MPs in particular, yeah. well, I mean, you would have to have some shared vision of how you operate yeah. in the same way that any good job yeah. share would work. If, if if the two of you fundamentally yeah. are trying to achieve different things and didn't agree, it's not going to work. No yeah. job share is going to work like that. Um, but if you if you get that uh, if you get that degree of trust and and you know common goal, um, I mean, I certainly also think as a minister, why shouldn't you be a job share minister? I mean, that is in a way, it's almost less. Well, I mean, you've still got a decision-making issue, but it's less complicated because you're not standing for election as a minister. Mm-hmm. So go on. What would you do in the Jeffocracy then? So I would have a, a, a use-it-or-lose-it element of uh, for dads of uh, parental leave. So at the moment, you've got this shared system and parents basically are pitted against each other who gets to take the leave. Yeah. Um, and it leads to all, all kind of all kinds of odd you know dynamics between couples and you've even seen there's a bit of anecdotal evidence that that where the dad took some of that they shared it in the first time round. The, the second time round, that the mother's gone no i'm having it all this time right because this is weird dynamic it right. sets up so if you look at where they have really good systems the dads you know the iceland's and sweden's of these world you know the dads have a use it or lose it bit and and the lose it bit means dads do take it up and then you get a lifetime of benefit you know rolling on from that and clearly the more you could make it paid you know, at a decent rate, the better. Yeah. So, so I think I would just treat men and women equally on this one and just say at the moment it's, it's, you are treated differently by the law yeah. if you're a man or woman. Yeah. Um, and uh, second part of it is more of it would be paid. Um, that was a thesis of Eva tested when they said, we think more men would take this yeah. if, if we paid it. And sure enough, as soon as we did, nearly 7% of men in the last year took the full six months. Now, some people will be listening to this and be wondering about the hard data. So... Go on, give us give us some facts and figures to to convince us. So I think my favourite uh, is where dads take two weeks um, with their first child that the couple is thirty percent less likely to separate. Wow! And I, I I think if you look at the societal costs of separation, yeah, yeah, um, it is you know that is you know Definitely. incredible. Definitely. What, and it's all just by building in a bit more equality. At the very beginning, and and it has an impact on women's wages as well. Yeah, I think I think it was Sweden um, when they introduced their very substantive change uh, to give dads more more leave. Um, they found that for every additional month that the dad took, um, that the mother's earnings went up by seven percent across the rest of their career for the rest of their life. And and what about the experience at Aviva, Sam? Yeah, so we we found in one year's worth of data that 
the average amount of time men are taking off since we introduced the policy is 21 weeks, which is like five months. Yeah. And a year ago, it was two weeks. So from going from two to 21, I mean, it's a, it's a huge shift. And we did that by taking out two things, taking out the financial penalty, i.e. paying people, and taking out the kind of cultural anxiety by saying, this is okay, and holding up lots of role models. So people will do it if they're offered it. Yeah, the evidence seems to suggest men want to do this if they're given the opportunity. I'm totally sold. Absolutely. Do you think they've got the job? I think so. Definitely. They could share it. Yeah. Sam and Will, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm a convert. Definitely. Who wouldn't be a convert? I know. It sort of made me think differently about it, though, I suppose. So how were you thinking about it beforehand? Well, I was thinking it's really important to increase the paternity leave to three months, you know, use it or lose it, because I knew that that was the Swedish system. I think we discussed it on an early episode on the gender pay gap. But I'm now much more convinced. And obviously that was founded on a belief in equality, but I suppose... I'm now much more convinced that you've got to try and, as Sam said, both Sam, Sam, Will and Lars, in a way, in different ways, we're all saying you've got to start with equality mm. as a principle. And then what does that look like? Not how can we sort of bolt on a bit more leave? And what do you think the chances of it um, being talked about seriously anytime soon are? Well, I think we've got this other elephant in the room. <laughs> um, but, but I think... I think it is, I sort of feel it, you know, it's a, it's a sort of change multiplier, isn't it? If that doesn't sound too like, ridiculous. Yeah, it has all these knock-on effects. Well, it has all these knock-on effects. It's just not just about fathers. Mm. It's about the gender pay gap. It's about, you know, the way the home is organized. It's just, it, you know, it just, it's just got, it's, it's sort of multiply important. Email us, reasons at cheerfulpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at Cheerful Podcasts or search for our Facebook page, Reasons to be Cheerful Podcast. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And here to pitch us some ideas which could be potential reasons to be cheerful, we are joined by comedian Sindhu V. Hello. 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 And, and, and this, this is a beautiful moment we're witnessing, podcast it listener. Well, Sindhu and I were at university together. We were in the same college. The same college in the same what, year? In, well, I was a year ahead. Because you were a year I ahead. In two years. Yeah, yeah. 
you were my GCR president. I was. Junior common room, that is. Yes. Right, I didn't know what that was. was yeah. ju- and, and it was like an election. I was like, who are these people? Who are these children who are running for election? <laughs> and I was one of them. And you were one of them. Yeah. But also because I was a foreign student and um, we were sort of, there were some more helpful undergrads who'd already been in the system for a year at Corpus Christi, which which is where we were. And Ed was one of the very helpful ones. He was very, he knew everything was very organized. Please come here. And this is very nice. And you could, and I was like, oh, he's so helpful. So I operated under a different name. Yeah, so yeah, Ed, Ed has a pseudonym. Ted. We all called him Ted. Yeah. I, and, and even now when I say, oh, something, something, Ted, people are like, you mean Ed? I'm like, no, I genuinely mean Ted. I was Ted for three years and it all came about because uh, the philosophy tutor wrongly said at our introductory meeting, I gather you like to be called Ted. And then it sort of stuck. And then I kind of quite liked it. Yeah, and I thought I would have been Edward Ted. up to then, you see. Yes. And was was he sort of like a cool bad boy? No. No, I just <laughs> no, want to say No, like that a square good boy. He was, he, was, he was very good. He was very serious. Yeah. I mm. mean, I okay, so let me put this in perspective. Yeah. I've come from India. Uh, I'm on a scholarship, so I'm sort of scared that if my grades drop, you know, whatever, it's all very new. I have to go back, get married in two years, which, you know, so I'm like on a tight schedule here. <laughs> um, so I show up. And I realized that a lot of what happens on the weekends in terms of socializing is everyone just lies about drunk on the, on the you know, you come out of college, you're just lying around drunk. I never saw you do that. No. You, know, you just didn't what, do that. What, what are you doing, Ed? Why weren't you lying around drunk? He was too busy running for office. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was. So- or being in office, actually. It was quite a lot of work. But, I mean, what, what were your big achievements? As well, we had this big rent dispute and we yes, demonstrated yes, and there's yes. actually footage floats around yes, the internet yes uh, absolutely i remember of me that. at like the age of 19 or and, something and what do you remember about sindhu then oh god uh she was cool i, I was well i played well, a lot of basketball than me. well but that's not saying well, there was a low bar i was I, mean, I don't want to be rude but i gotta no, no. say um also you weren't on the schedule i was i was like i need to get here i need to learn how to drink you played and, basketball yeah for the and you learned how to drink yeah, well, I couldn't drink, so right. I used to always be vomiting in the corner somewhere. You know, I was, but I was getting used to it. So, when you knew Sindhu back in the day, mm. did you see a future for her where she would be on the stage on Have I Got News for You, being nominated for Best Newcomer at Edinburgh? Ah, oh, I thought she was just incredibly smart, and so I didn't. I, don't, I suppose I don't didn't know. I didn't know. And, and Sindhu, I'd you, never when, seen live stand up when, when I did it. When you knew Ed all those years ago, did you see a future for him where he would be hosting a podcast? <laughs> ah, well, and, um, I didn't know what a podcast right, was, yeah. but I definitely knew that Ed would do something in politics. Uh, Cindy, you brought along some ideas with you. Yes. What's, what's your first one? Well, my first idea is I would institute a Tell Your Teenager Day. And once a year, you get to tell your teenager what you really think of them and their behavior. You've got teenagers. Two. And also give them a true picture of their prospects in life, given this behavior. <laughs> and then the next day, it all resets and you go back to accepting all their BS and blaming it on their hormones. <laughs> now, have, have you trialed this scheme with your own teenagers? I don't think this is a once a year thing in my house. I mean, I'm a proper Indian mother. I will tell <laughs> All the time. If you do the things that require me to have this conversation, and my, as my son always says to me, oh, mate, please, I've heard this before. He calls me meat. Sometimes he calls me bruv. Um, which I <laughs> How think old is, is he? 17. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I think it's very good. I think it's very important for parents, and I think it's very important for the kids to hear that. Did your parents do that to you? Are you kidding? All yeah, the time? Constantly. My Every father day. didn't speak to me when I dropped the E in PPE. Didn't speak to me. <laughs> Wouldn't speak to me. What are you going to do with your life? You're not doing economics. What's philosophy? No one does philosophy. 
whatever. Okay, we like it. Yeah, let's have it. Tell the truth to your teenagers. All right, what else, Cindy? I would make it illegal for 24 hours, and it would be lengthy jail time if transgressed, illegal to say or publish the word Brexit. Complete moratorium on use of that word and alluding to it in any way, shape, or form. You will go to jail for 45 years in in solitary. We're a relatively free zone, Yes, yes, yeah. And then he said it then, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're we're trying to... um, we're trying to sort of be a the other stuff away from that. Yeah. Uh, is it, so it's not something you ever sort of come up against on stage as you go around the, the country? All the time. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's comics that are very political. Uh, but I talk about Brexit in the sense I make a, I use it as a metaphor for, well, all the trash, different kinds of trash fires one can find oneself in. Um, but yeah, I, I use it. It's such a huge part of our conception of what world yeah. we're living in i use it as a metaphor for marriage in a lot of ways but it 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 always comes on i think the worst thing though is i'm so tired of brexit and then someone gets on stage and makes a really bad joke i'm like please don't double down on this pain <laughs> stop it you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean I've, I've sort of forgotten what the news was like without that word in it yeah. I've sort of forgotten what the government used to the do the news will be shorter yeah yeah it will be There'll be lots of things to talk about. Yeah, that's the tragedy. Well, no, absolutely, and I think I think uh, you know we had the we had the outcome in the United States come, and then right on the heels of that, you know, this thing, and I think it just feels like you, you know, when you've taken a flight and it does that big dip, and you think this is it, and you start immediately. I don't know what you do. I just immediately start doing the forty versus two hundred one because that's <laughs> what I do, and then it comes up again. You say okay, and then has you know sometimes on transatlantic flights you yeah. can have that. I feel like that's all. I've been in constant turbulence because, and some big dips and you without a warning from the pilot. No, nothing, nothing, or any sense that they're going to be able to land it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're just like, how can I get off this flight? Yeah, but you can't because <laughs> no. you're there. Oh, great, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm up for that. Yeah, we're up for that. <laughs> what I, what I appreciate the converted. Okay, it would be step in your own dog's poop day. There'd be a day where you got a dog. What? Well, yes, if you don't pick up your dog's poop and you get caught. You have to carry it around. I'm really in favor of this. You have to chuck it in front of you and step in it, and then chuck it in front of you and step in it, and chuck it in front of you and step in it. So basically, carry it, step in it, carry it, step in it. Are you a good pooper scooper? Massively good. Massively scooping. Scooping, scooping all the time. I saw some people in the park the other day, and they were literally, they were, I thought they'd lost something, but they had two nice dogs that were twins, actually, and they were like circling an area. And I said, what, 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 have you lost something? And they said, no, we're just trying to find the poo. It's very hard yeah, yeah, yeah. in the and long I mean, grass. I mean, I thought that was very impressive. And just to finish, the poop you get on your shoe, you have to keep all day. Can't scrape it off and we'll check it. Okay, now, there's a few caveats to this. Okay. I mean people who let their dog poop on the sidewalk and just walk away, right? Now, I don't... Long grass, I think it's all right. No, it's not. It's all not. Right. It's all right. I think if you put in a good effort, you can't find it. Right. It's in the. It's in the bushes in a part yeah. where no one would be walking. Fine, we'll we'll cut you some slack. If somebody's yeah. in those bushes, they're up to no good. Yeah, they, they should d- they be. They should it. be stepping in poop, yeah. frankly. Um, but you know, and then if it's long grass, or if you do some kind of barter where you pick up some other poop, so you know, karmically, the poop situation is fine for you. <laughs> neutral, poop yeah, neutral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poop, poop neutral. But on the sidewalk, yeah, it's bad. Are you joking? Do you not feel that most people have got this memo now, and you don't see no. it so much anymore? No, it's really. Sure, but I don't think you it's... just got to walk on the streets, and I do a lot of walking now because I'm running from gig to gig. Why do you have the dog? Why I like dogs. Right. How long have what, you had the what, dog? What kind of question is this? You see, this is the kind of question, this is what Ted would ask me. Why, 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 how long have you had the dog? He's 11. Oh, right. He's lovely. I've, I grew what's up his with name? dogs. Crunchy. And what sort of dog is Crunchy? He's a yellow lab. He's born in 2008. We named him for the credit crunch. 
Oh. Yeah. And is he, is, he, is he a good boy? He's fantastic. He's a good boy. He's such a good boy. He's so lovely. I'm going to quickly, quickly show you a picture. Look at this guy's the most I mean, handsome. Oh, he is. He's Look at handsome. crunchy. What a Look handsome at that is boy. Nice. And is, also, it's a bit, I was thinking of the, the chocolate bar crunchy. Mm. No, but yeah, I don't. But we, like, it looks a bit like yes, a chocolate yes, bar. Yes, and he would like to eat a chocolate bar and then go blind because chocolate makes dogs blind. Is that it's true? A massive myth, but I've yeah. taught the kids that. Dogs used to eat it and then all of a sudden they discovered it was very bad for dogs, right? Yeah, but no one's dog was dying. I mean, my, my dogs in India like, literally grew up on dairy milk. They're, <laughs> they were fine. They died of old age. Well, I like your poop rules. Yeah. Good. Yeah. We're, we're Keep like going. People. Okay. Then I have school run celebration drink. Yeah. Once a year, when you drop your kid to school, you get a top quality alcoholic beverage of your choice. That's great. I mean, several, not one. And of course, you can also have not alcoholic, but. Uh, and a place to sit and enjoy it with other parents at all schools. It's just a big congratulatory drink for all the other mornings you've sacrificed your sanity to get your kids to school on time, properly fitted and kitted, while they have actively tried to sabotage this same goal really in every possible way. You get a reward. A reward. Yeah, yeah, you get a yeah. reward. And it's better than those coffee mornings. And plus, everyone gets sozzled. It's 9.30. No one knows what the hell's so going on. So 9.30 in the morning. It's you, yeah. And it's not after school. It's not pick up. No. All right. And everyone knows that that's the day. So at work, they're like, you have kids. You're completely off your face. We get it. I mean, we've already established from your, your days at Corpus Christi that you, you weren't a day drinker. No, probably not. But you have kids now. Anything <laughs> yeah. will make you drink. Come You're driven on. to it. Yeah, that's true. Okay. <laughs> you seem skeptical. I can't imagine drinking at 9.30 in the morning. You see, I can, and that's oh, why yeah. I haven't had a drink for 18 years. <laughs> yeah, I can. Yeah. I, I, I haven't had a drink for a month. I'm on this big, big, big detox of everything, including fun and joy. <laughs> uh, literally, I'm... You, that's that's why working. you came here today. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just continuing, but oh my God, my life is hell. But it's working. I mean, I, I wanted to walk in here and I want everyone to stand up and clap and be like, your skin looks amazing. But then I realized your besides Ted, thank you. No one's already seen me before, but it with all that I'm not eating, it should be looking great. Really? I have no makeup on. How does it look? Really good. Let's have your next idea. The next one's super simple. In January, you only have to go to work in the hours it's light. Oh, and definitely. You get, and you get double pay for those hours. Definitely. I hate the darkness. No, it's just wrong. I just think that, you know, everything that we know in about yeah. the, the science of the human body you know, you're buying lamps to wake you up, this and that. You're lying under a lamp to not be sad. Darkness does not work for humans. I mean, look at the whole of Scandinavia. No offense. But <laughs> in January, you've come through November. Christmas is over. You're probably on a detox. So yeah. many marriages end in, at Christmas. Yeah, it's yeah. Right. It's like one of the biggest statistics the day after Christmas. People are like, actually, here's your present. I'm out of here. Wow. Um, things like this. And so I think in it January, won't. we should all be rewarded yeah, for going to work. I basically agree with this. In an environment that is not uh, not our natural environment. And we still do it, you know? You still get up, take your kids to school. Why? So you're saying your kids should be at home with you all day, every day? No, they should, you should be allowed to bring them to school whenever you're ready. Be like, here's the Great, kid now. I'm, I'm, I'm into this. Yeah. But I, so I think you need to get paid. Yeah. And you should I'm only go this. when it's light. Yeah. Sindhu, what, what are you up to at the minute? Can people come and see you? Are you on tour? Yes, you do the tour, aren't you? I yeah. am. So I've got to run at Soho Theatre. Great. Uh, in January. And then I'm going on tour in the UK. And Fantastic. can you believe it? Me. Are you taking your dog and the kids? No. I'm, oh. I'm, I've got a system where I don't have to not see the kids for days and days and days because right. that's uncool. Yeah. Um, so, and the tickets are on Ticketmaster and the show is called Sandhog. And, uh, Sandhog. Sandhog. And yeah, that's what I'm up to in the immediate future. Sounds great. Lovely. And, and after that, you can organize a, a reunion. Definitely. You well, actually, now that after this, yeah. we have to somehow get Definitely. everyone together. Definitely. Yeah. 
Cindy, thanks so much. Thank you. Reasons to be cheerful with Ed Miliband and Jeff Lloyd. Well, I enjoyed all that oh, immensely. Yeah, definitely. Should we do thank yous? Yes. I think you should do the Lars thank you. Just yes. Because... So, so thank you to Lars Arrhenius. Very good. Uh, and I'd like to thank uh, Sam Smethers, Sam White and Will McDonald. And thanks to Sindhu V. Rolling back the years. Yeah, back when you were Ted. Exactly. In your youth, Teddy boy. Exactly. Uh, Emma Caution produces our podcast. Our announcer is Gail Lofthouse. James Deacon made the idents, and Ed Seed composed the music. Composed the music. I said composed them. Yeah. But the artwork was Emily done by <laughs> somebody tweeted this week. Uh, was it you, Emma? Find somebody to yeah. love you the way that Ed loves saying Aww. Emily Power at the end of every podcast. Power to Emily Power. Yeah. He's been Ted Miliband. He's been Geoff Lloyd. <laughs> and these have been reasons to be cheerful. 